The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Davin Mitch Krumpetich. Hey, Suns fan. And David McGraw. What up? This week, we're starting our breakdown of each position going down the depth chart, starting at center. So we'll be talking about DeAndre Ayton, Aaron Baines, and Frank Kaminsky. We we think Frank will be seeing some time at the five and the four, but we're going to feature him in this center talk today. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. All right, hopping right into things. We'll, we'll start at the top of the depth chart and head down, and obviously we'll be talking about DeAndre Ayton first. And this is a guy who didn't get a ton of national respect last year after putting up 16 and 10 as a rookie with that field goal percentage. Uh, just every shooting percentage you can see, it looks so good from a center. And we have him, and he's back this year. Are we expecting any sort of a sophomore slump, or do we see Aiton taking a step forward this year right off the bat? I see improvement. I really do. 16 and 10 is great. 20 and 10 would be better, and I think he can get there. I kind of think he can get to 20 and 11, even. I know that uh, having another year, or having a year under his belt, having that experience going up against guys like Rudy Gobert and Joel Embiid and like actual NBA centers. That was really good experience for him. And I think he's going to come out of the gates firing, you know. I think he's he's really going to have worked hard and just be ready to go. Uh, you never want to back or let me rephrase that. You never want to bet against a sophomore slump, but I think that Aiton should have an easier time this season than he did last. He has better teammates. There's been a huge improvement on the roster, even if it's a 10-game improvement. The quality of players is so much higher that it's he, he should have a much easier time. We have a real point guard that can get him the ball. We have a real power forward that can play next to him, not a guy out of position. You know, uh, I, I think that with Booker just continuing to be Booker and the better pieces around him at just about all times, I think that Aiden is probably going to have a better and easier time this year. Absolutely. There's there's talent across the board at every position now, and if you look at the beginning of last year, especially before we brought Oubre in with that trade, it was obviously Devin Booker was the number one option, and then Aiton was the number two. And even though it might still be just like that this year, depending on where you see Oubre filling in as a what kind of a scorer he's going to be for us, uh, Aiton's still going to be required to get buckets under the rim again this season. But with all these other guys around, it's going to come easier. So 
I can definitely see a little bump in that scoring average this year. Right, and if you look at who we have running the point now, last season this time, who were we talking about? Paisaia Kanan, Shaquille Harrison, who got cut, but we were talking about him. We had... Who else we did, did we even have running the we point? We had Brandon Knight at this point in the year last year. Brand, yeah, Brandon Knight we were talking about. But even throughout the season, after Kanan got cut, we had... Okobo and Melton. Oh my gosh, I'm like blanking. Yeah, Okobo and Melton, like... He's got these guys that are just projects. Now we have Ricky Rubio. That's going to help. Ricky Rubio is one of the best passers in the game. I guarantee you he can throw an entry pass into the low post. Like, Ricky Rubio could do that when he was 16 playing in Europe, probably. 13. <laughs> you know? 13, 13, yeah. And so that's going to be nice. Just the entry passes. And then if you think of the pick and roll, Aiton Rubio pick and roll, that's so much better than... A Kobo being like, what is this? You know, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> no, I hear you. I've seen plenty of nice pick and roll action with Rubio and then Gobert or Favors. Mm-hmm. And I think Aiton brings something different to the table as a roller than both of those guys. Something that could be a little more explosive, I guess. Better alley oop target, even though Gobert is huge. Uh, Aiton's just a little more dynamic than him. I really like the opportunity there. And Towards the end of the year, you you saw Booker and Aiton starting to connect on some alley-oops out of the pick-and-roll, and I think we're going to hopefully see a lot of that kind of just out of the bat, just due to the better passing on the team. And yeah, that's something that will take some time, get that chemistry going, but with Rubio there, it's a, it's a kickstart to the chemistry, I'd say. Yeah, even if you say that Rubio uh, can't be a star point guard, in the NBA, and his three-point shot eliminates him, he's still a good point guard in the NBA, and it was expected for him to go to playoff teams and really make a push for with them. So, I, I think that you have to give Rubio credit for being a good player, and he's going to do some really good stuff with Aiton. So, I think that just that alone... I mean, we played our best stretch of basketball, and it was very, very short when Tyler Johnson was in at the point guard. And we'll still use uh, Tyler Johnson a lot, but, you know, Aiton has a pass-first, pure point guard. And there there aren't a lot of guys with that style of play in the NBA right now. Yeah, those are all good points. And I want to go back to how you said Rubio's not a star point guard and he doesn't have this three-point shooting. But where we're at, that's fine. We don't need that. Our first two options are still Booker and Aiton, like you said before, Chuck. And like you were saying, David, he isn't that star, but we don't need that. So I think it's going to be really nice to have that passing. And Ricky Rubio's three-point shooting is not that bad. People make it seem like it's terrible, but it's like only a little bit below average. Like it is not horrendous. He doesn't shoot like twenty. He's not Josh Jackson. Three, no. You know? Right. He's still better than what we had shooting threes at point guard last year. It's still an improvement, which is yeah. sad. But, but like people make it seem like he's this terrible three point shooter. He's not terrible. Like he's slightly below average. Yeah, absolutely. And as a slightly below average shooter, the defense still needs to pay attention to you. 
You know, right. you can't you can't just give guys open shots because oh they only shoot what thirty one percent from three. I mean they're still gonna make them if they're wide open. So he Rubio will draw that defense, and that's when the pick and roll can really blossom when they're worried about the ball handler first. Yes, absolutely. And here's this, another. Oh, well, this is actually one thing I wanted to go into with the pick and roll, and something I kind of want to see from Aiton. And I know we might disagree on this a little bit, but I want to see Aiton have the ability to add a bit of a pick and pop, and pop game this season. Because we, we know he can roll. We know he's good at that close to the rim. He has those low post moves. He started shooting some of those mid-range shots. We've seen one video of him shooting one three, and he posts like eyes emoji on that. <laughs> I don't think he's going to shoot a lot of threes still, but if he could add that pick and pop game... That's just one more element that defenses have to take into consideration and make it that much harder to guard the pick and roll. So if he can pop once or twice a game, I think that would be really nice to see this year. Yeah. Baines makes some pretty good money on the pick and pop, actually. If you watch some Baines highlight videos, you'll see him setting that screen high at the top of the key and then just a nice little fade out across the three-point line and... He he made a decent clip of those last year. I think he shot over 30% from three. So maybe if uh, Baines is allowed to shoot and comes in thinking that he'll be able to shoot threes, maybe Aiden will too. We'll just have yeah. to see what Monty Williams says about that. Though. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm i positive about Aiden. I'm feeling good about him. I'm excited to see him. And I think that that mid-range game, hitting those jumpers a little bit more consistently even though I don't think it was bad last year, uh, just being a little bit more consistent with it and not sticking to it as much. But I, I think that that will really help with Rubio in, and it'll be not, it'll be a nice to see, and I'm literally looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah. I think the other thing, too, is comfort. Last season, we saw him take those mid-range shots, and he looked uncomfortable. He looked like he got the ball, and he didn't really know what to do. He kind of froze, and then he just shot. I think that is going to be eliminated a bit this season. I'd say so, too. Feeling more comfortable in that shot, hitting it at a better clip. I, it, I'm i still a believer in the mid-range game. I'm not part of that Rockets squad that's either layup or three, but uh, even if your big man can stretch out the court that much, that still helps. That still opens up the lane, even if it's only an elbow jumper. Right. More opportunities for other things to happen. Yeah, that's true. Okay, one thing I want to touch on on Aiton was during like post-game interviews last year, he was one of the more humble guys I've heard get interviewed. Uh, after a bad game, he'd admit it was a bad game, and he'd say, wow, these guys are bigger and stronger and faster than anything I've ever seen before. Uh, it seems like he, he accepted that last year and took it as a challenge to get himself into better shape and just become more of an all-around player. And I think him just admitting that stuff last year showed me something like this guy, he's not too big to admit when he messes up, but it seems like he's hungry to get better. Maybe he's not, I don't know, maybe a lot of people wouldn't say he's he's hungry to get better, but I'm confident in him. Just Just that ability to be humble in a situation where you do get humbled admit it to everybody and then try not to let it happen again that's all you can really ask for and hearing that out of him out of a rookie 
uh, one-and-done rookie. That made me feel pretty good last year. So from a mental standpoint, I, I think Aiton's going to be prepared to compete for 82 games this year. On the flip side of that, we also heard him say, this is my team, I'm going to take over, things along those lines quite a few times with no real result. <laughs> so, I mean, I think he is humble as well, but yeah, we we saw some, some I, guess, I guess you could say empty promises about it. Maybe just getting too excited. Well, it's also a lot harder for a big man to kind of back up those promises in today's game. Right. I mean, it. you have to be able to kind of figure out ways to do it without having the ball or getting past the ball every single time. Because especially when you don't have a veteran point guard, these young point guards aren't going to get you the ball all the time or aren't going to be able to. So I feel like we saw that a lot. Uh, I think that Aiton probably should have cooled it off a little bit. I was fine with it. I wanted him to have the mentality that he wanted to go out there, but it's really hard for a big man to back that up with insane numbers, like dropping 50 and 30 or whatever. It's just, it's a lot harder in today's <laughs> game. Right. Well, and it's like, what's he going to do? Yeah, I'm going to go out and really take over this game by setting solid screens. I mean, he's not Aaron Baines. Come on. Yeah, that's a Baines job, though. <laughs> So I was thinking about, uh, like David said, you're not going to be gifted the ball every time as a big man, and especially when you don't have a point guard that can even gift you the ball. And one game that I thought of, like, how do you get the ball in that case, and it's offensive rebounds. Do you remember that game against Denver, against Denver? right before Christmas? Yep. Right before Christmas where I knew you yeah, were going I looked there. it up, 33 points. He was 16 for 20 from the floor. He had 10 offensive rebounds that game. Yep. And that may be due to the fact that our guards in this game were garbage and were missing literally every layup or short shot that they got. But Aiton was there to clean it up. And then he had, he had, what, 23 in that second quarter or some business like that? It was insane. But that's what has to happen. We need to see him get a little hungrier on the offensive rebound side. I mean, he had plenty, plenty of games with five or more offensive rebounds, but... Uh, I don't know. If you're 7-1 and as athletic as him, I just want to see him dominate the glass a little more this year, honestly. Oh, yep, I agree. And that should help because while Dario Saric isn't a total rim hound, we, he is a real four, and it's not like Aiden's yep. the only one down there boxing out. I mean, we had Kelly Oubre and TJ playing the four a ton last year, and that was rough, and those guys aren't boxing out as much, at least... We have Dario down there, which is a big body. You know, he's not going to be insane or really, like, be a crazy rebounder. But that will help with boxing out and might help it not be as congested and easy for the other team to get the rebound this year. I'd like to see some more putback dunks, too. I think putback dunks are my favorite thing to watch in the NBA. I like them. That's fair. That was kind of random, but I really enjoy a nice putback dunk. I don't think yeah. it's that random. I think everyone enjoys a good putback. That's when you get your best, some of your best highlights. That and alley oops. Yeah, 
when you can just see a guy charging in from like behind the three point line and you can tell he has a beat on it. He thinks he knows where the board's going to go. I I just get excited when I see that. That's that's something I loved about Eric Bledsoe actually. Remember that one where he missed a free throw and got his own rebound? Yeah. Had that put back. Oh, he was good at that. Yeah, you shouldn't be missing free throws or you shouldn't miss free throws often enough to think that oh, I got to go board this one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, you can true. go either way on that one, maybe. Yeah. But. Okay, so we're we're all expecting Aiton to show some improvement this season. Maybe nothing too wild, but we're all expecting to see a little more of him out of him and not the sophomore slump. Do we all agree on yes. that? Yes. Cool. All right, then we move on one more spot down the depth chart, and we're going to assume that Aaron Baines is our backup center this year. And Crazy assumption. Yeah, so I was never a big Aaron Baines guy until I found the Aaron Baines fan club Twitter page, which we've plugged on the show before. But if you just Google Aaron Baines fan club, it'll be the first thing that pops the sun up. Son official Aaron Baines. The son fan official. Club. Yep. So follow oh, them; God. they know what's up. And I, I guess I, I'm inspired by their webs, their uh, Twitter feed to like Aaron Baines a little bit more. But this is a – it's just a big body who's going to do what you need to do to hopefully get your team a W. I don't know what else you can say about him. Uh, it's not like you can feed him in the post and he's going to be drop-stepping on everybody and dunking over everybody. That's not going to happen. Uh, he's not going to completely protect the rim and have three blocks per game. That's not going to happen. But what he is going to do, he's going to set screens – He's going to box out, and he's going to be a brick down in the paint playing defense. So I don't know about you guys, but that's what I like in a backup center. It's what you need. He can draw charges, too. Sets good screens. He can kind of shoot the three a little bit. I'll take it. Less than one make a game. But I, I think it's really easy to look at the numbers and not be – blown away because the numbers aren't eye-popping and even if you're just comparing them to Rashawn Holmes uh, from last year the numbers might be a little different but he's just a brick wall of a man you know Uh, he's gonna go out there he's gonna set screens he's gonna do some dirty work and it's it's gonna be nice he's gonna be a defender he's going to just be out there be a big body and take some of the pressure off of Aiton. I mean, we talked about it uh, a few weeks ago, I believe it was, uh, when it was discussed about the comments of Monty Williams, or James Jones, not Monty Williams, that Aiton wouldn't need to compete and all that, and everyone blowing up and taking it out of context, but, you know, he's going to be able to go in there and play defense against guys like Embiid and, uh, like, bigger guys that will help that will help uh, Aiden, you know, take some of the load off of him so he can be fresh for offense. Kind of like how I loved how TJ Warren had to go up against PJ Tucker every day in practice. Uh, Aiden will have to do that against Baines. Yeah. The situation kind of similar to that. Yeah, that's really nice. Is it fair to say that everything that you might get upset with in DeAndre Ayton is what you'll love about Aaron Baines. <laughs> I think that's true. 
I don't know about that, but I, sure. I mean, defensive positioning uh, rotations. I'd put my money on Baines before Aiton being in the right spot. Okay, that's fair. Setting screens. I expect Aaron Baines to set a meaningful screen and actually hold his screen before getting out of there. Okay, yeah. I mean, Aiton struggled with that last year. I expect Aaron Baines to not back down in the paint to guys who may even be smaller than him and get bullied under the rim. Aiton, I can see that happening too. Aiton, I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't give Aiton that much on that. I think there were a lot of the times where he was positioned and waiting, and then would give up after X amount of seconds because the point guard just none of our guys were going to get him the ball. But maybe that's just me being a little bit more defensive of our boy. I don't know. I I just like I just the things that bug me about Aiton are the things that I like about Baines. I think that's kind of how I read this thing. So everything that we don't get from Aiton is hopefully going to sub in and then do all those things. Yeah, that's fair for sure. If you, if you could combine Baines and Aiton, oh, that might my be the best sense ever. But, but my, my question is, what would their hair look like if you combine them? Oh, that's not a nice thought. Spi- spiky man bun. <laughs> Oh, no, it's not a nice thought at all. Yeah, let's not think about that. But <laughs> um, a fun tidbit, doing some research on Baines before the podcast, I, I threw up his wiki to see if there was anything, any fun things I could find, but I did find one. It's the last paragraph of the intro, the last sentence of the intro paragraph, and it's, uh, he is regarded as one of the best players in the history of the game. And I agree with that. And it's on Wikipedia, so it's true. Absolutely. <laughs> what were his numbers from last season, though? It was like five and five. Baines. Yep, five point six points per game, four point seven rebounds per game in sixteen minutes per game. So that's interesting to compare to Rashawn Holmes, because Holmes was eight point two points per game. Also, four point seven rebounds per game in sixteen point nine minutes. So, so Rashawn was launching. We had a little to make up for that extra three points. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's a little like you have to take that into context too, because Holmes played more than we expected. I feel like so that just the amount of minutes. Oh, I don't know. Is Baines going to get over 16 minutes again? I don't know. Yeah, he will. You think so? I think it's pretty possible. Or not pretty yeah. possible. Well, his, I think it's pretty likely. His career high in minutes per game was the 2017-18 season with 18.3 per game. Last year he played 16.1. Uh, so a little less than Holmes, but how, not much. How many did Aiton play... Per game last year, thirty point seven. So, yeah, I guess it would make sense for Baines to, you know, sixteen, fifteen, sixteen minutes per game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. We might be sacrificing a little bit of scoring from the back, the backup center position, but what we're, what we're getting in return is just all these intangibles: better defense, more knowledge. I mean. No hate on Rashawn, but he just did not have a high basketball IQ. 
I think he no. could probably admit that. <laughs> and if, so. if Rashawn was scoring, it was normally from a putback because of grabbing an offensive rebound or getting a nice pass on the pick and roll. It's not like he was going out and getting his own buckets. Right. So I don't think the three different three point difference there should mean too much. Right. And hey, maybe Aiton makes up those three points this year. Hopefully. And we don't worry about it. Or Rubio. Because <laughs> uh, the the combination of Aiton and Holmes's uh, point totals definitely constituted for winning basketball. So we definitely need to hit that again, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. All right. So we have Aiton, we have Baines, and now we'll talk about Frank Kaminsky a little bit. And Kaminsky, it was kind of an interesting story for him in Charlotte last year. Uh, he went through spurts of getting playing time and not getting playing time. I'm not positive if that had to do with any injury, but I read an article about him and it sounded like he just really couldn't swing it as the backup four in Charlotte. So they moved him to the backup center spot. And then it seems like he kind of found his way there last season, but obviously not quite enough. Charlotte didn't want to bring him back and we got him. So Frank Kaminsky we see him playing some center. We see him playing some power forward. But what do you think he brings to the table? Do you think he'll see normal minutes this season? To start, yes. I think he will get a lot of minutes to start. When it comes to the overall aspects of the game, I'm not sure if he will play a ton. I think that it could very well depend on matchup if him or Baines play more that night. I don't think I would be surprised by that. But, you know, he's a different type of player. We're going to see him to start out the year playing probably backup power forward. And as the season progresses, we'll probably just start to go more small at power forward for the backup spot. And we'll probably see more of Ubre sliding down and playing small ball stretch four. But uh, I think that Frank will will have more center time towards the end of the year, even if he doesn't play as many games as he does beginning the year. Yeah, and I think just in general, he probably will see some pretty normal minutes at that user position. But just since he can... He can kind of play both. He'll he'll probably see some decent time. But yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I could see Ubre sliding down, but I could also see Ubre just staying at the three pretty much all season. But that's probably going to be our position of most interest to talk about, you know, because that's that's a position that's really not set in stone. So a lot of that just depends on how it shakes out and how Bridges and Ubre look throughout the season. You know, one thing that I think about is uh, Shek Diallo. Is is Kaminsky a better player than him? Who's the better fit on our team? Is one of them going to be taking minutes from the other? That's Those will be fun questions to figure out and just hear what's said during training camp because uh, we, we know that Saric will probably be starting at four, but then the backup five and four minutes are 
pretty much wide open. I, I think Baines has a nice lead for that backup center, but it'll be interesting to see where all these guys fit in. But Kaminsky definitely brings something different to the table than a lot of these other guys. Maybe a little more similar to Saric than anyone else on the roster. Yeah, that's a good point. And also we should note that Ray Spaulding won't be with us. Um, because he signed who did he sign with? The Hawks? Yeah, Atlanta. Yeah. So no Ray Spaulding next year, which doesn't really change much for us, but no. one less guy to talk about and think about in the rotation. Not that he was going to play anything more than like two or three minutes a game, but... Yeah, so I think that Frank will be pretty interesting. I think that because... I think he will get a lot of those four minutes to start out, but, you know, he's just a, he's a smart player. He can do uh, some nifty stuff around the rim he's a decent passer he has the three-point shot and i think just because of that he will play for and he will get minutes but i I don't know i'm just i'm interested to see how these big rotations kind of pan out are we gonna see some kuminski playing alongside ayton and baines probably how long will that last how will that go Will playing next to someone like Baines kind of make it so Kaminsky at the four is okay? Will, uh, how will that go? Will, I, I really could see it being a matchup thing where sometimes Baines will play more minutes at the backup five and sometimes Kaminsky will, just depending on the team. But we, we won't, obviously we won't know right now, but that's kind of how I feel it going down. No, I see that too. Like, if we're playing Utah or Denver or Philly or someone like that, we're probably going to see a lot more Banes. But if we're playing someone who's, like, faster and smaller, like if we're playing, playing uh, oh, I don't know, like, like Atlanta, uh, not the Lakers, but maybe. Atlanta, yeah, someone like that, we're probably going to see more Frank. Atlanta or, like, Charlotte, a team like that. I mean, even Golden State, like... Their their yeah, big man start. rotation right now, uh, Looney's probably starting or coming up. I mean they've got Kali Stein. Uh, besides that, uh, Omari Spellman I think like they don't really have a bunch of bigs that can go out there. So I could see you know Kaminsky being a little bit more useful in that scenario than Baines. Right. And Kaminsky's a guy. Two years ago, shot 38% from three. Last year, shot 36% from three. Uh, It's not like he's heaving up a ton of them, but he's making over one per game, shooting a little over three per game. So that's something we definitely have been missing for quite a few years, thinking that Ryan Anderson might be the guy. Uh, Maybe this is our best stretch four slash five since Channing Fry, huh? (laughs) Oh, We're a come sad on. franchise. That's funny, right? Yeah, that's funny. It's just sad, though. I don't, I don't, I don't want us to talk <laughs> smack on our, uh, on our boys, Mirza Toledovich and John Luer. <laughs> John Luer, yeah. John Luer oh, would take over second quarters. We've been doing quarters. this for a long time. Time. I'm ready to see it in Milwaukee. <laughs> I miss John Luer. I, I, have I ever have I ever brought up the time he dunked on Demarcus Cousins? Uh, have I brought that once, up on this podcast? Like a long time. Maybe ago. once. Okay. 
Okay, I'll I'll save the story for later. Then I don't want to smash people with it too much. That's how you know you're like a dedicated fan when you bring yeah. up a preseason dunk from 2016 or whatever that was. 2015. Yeah, that feels that feels like an eternity ago. That yeah, feels it like at least a hundred losses from now. <laughs> at least. Oh. Yeah, like maybe a couple hundred. Let's not let's not think about how many losses ago that was. Let's not. Let's think of something else, like our non sports section of the show. Yeah. So, it's time for the non sports section of the show. We have not talked about this ahead of time, so it's gonna be but a I thought wreck. of something. Ooh. No, it's going to be great. This is my favorite way to do this. <laughs> so, I've been reading Game of Thrones lately, and we were discussing this before. The book is a lot more vivid than the show. <laughs> but there are some strange parts, I'll be honest. But what's the weirdest book you've ever read? In school, you read a lot of books. What's the weirdest book you've ever read? Oh my goodness. Yeah, this is going to be a hard one for David, probably. This is why you talk about it before the podcast, so that way you have time to think. This is why I don't talk about it. So So that way we have like 30 minutes of dead air to cut out of the episode for David. (laughs) All right, Chuck, you talk. Okay, so I can't really think of a weird book that I've read. Um, you know, I don't know if any of you listen to your mom's house podcast, but Tom Segura is a comedian and he is really interested in serial killers and, uh, his wife gives him a lot of crap about that and calls him a sociopath and things (laughs) like that. But I mean... I've read a serial killer book or two and the one that sticks out the most was I think his name is Ed Gein. Does that ring a bell to any of you guys or am I the only uh, I'm the only creepy one here. Okay. Well this is this is a guy I think he like uh, he was on it he like lived on a farm and you know what? I I think this podcast is rela- rated like PG thirteen or something on iTunes, so I can, I don't think I can even do it. <laughs> it was rough though, man. Yeah, just that story. Yeah, those yeah, could just be some weird ones. I I mean I guess I can call it weird. It was it was creepy and insane, but yeah, we can call it weird too. Okay, okay. David, do you have your answer? Uh, no, I'm I'm still thinking. Okay. Think about it, because okay. I've got a couple. So when I was in, I think I, think I was in fifth grade, I read A Wrinkle in Time. Great book, great book, but it's weird. It is very weird. Still recommend it, but it's weird. When I was in high school, I read a book called A Hundred Years of Solitude, and it's really long, it's really complicated, but there is some weird stuff. Uh, it's, it's one of those like literary classics, and it's good, but there's like a weird eating contest and there's a lot of blood but like not how you would think like in the streets and i don't know it's weird there's a lot of like um surrealism and that kind of stuff it's a weird book i still recommend it but it's actually pretty difficult to read so if you're looking for something weird and difficult read 100 years of solitude (laughs) It's also like a thousand pages long, I think. 
Oh, uh, keeping in line with me being a creep, I also read American Psycho. Nice. Oh, yeah. That was pretty wild. That was that was that was pretty wild. Yeah. All right, just pick one on your shelf, David. <laughs> yeah, you can close your eyes and point your finger and probably pick a weird one, something I'd consider weird. So, the first thing that pops into my mind is a comic book, and it's a series, and it's been going on for a long time at this point now, and it's called Saga. And pretty much the whole point of the book is that the creator wanted to make a comic book that could never be adapted into movies or TV. So uh, there are things like a, a stripper planet where there are these women that have just giant heads and legs, and that's it. <laughs> They're just a giant head with I legs. I knew you were going to win this one. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's that, and... There's just some really weird stuff in that book. It, like, it's great, and it's really good, but um, there's that. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones, because I've definitely read some, some some weird stuff or just seen some stuff that is uh, really weird in comics. But I was trying to think of just a normal book that was really weird, and I'm, I'm just rolling the comic route. And probably Saga is the weirdest thing you'll that I've ever read, but it's also really good. So it's it's like weird, but then also this cool space fantasy epic. Hmm. I'm so. seeing a trend. A uh, lot of these weird books are like really good too. Well, because if you're gonna have weird stuff in books, you need to have a good. Otherwise, it's yeah. just like <laughs> what's wrong with this person? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. What's did you say you had another one, no, Mitch? That's or? all I got. Nope. Okay. Well, I mean, there's some there's some weird stuff out in the comic world that's out there. David's uh, like, okay, I have fifteen more now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, I I could probably go pull a book from the other room and say it out there. So I'm just gonna roll with Saga, even though I don't want that to be labeled a weird book. It's absolutely a weird book. Well, there you go. All right, that wraps things up for this week. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Next week, we'll be going over the power forward position. And, man, how, how close are we getting to training camp? We got another almost two full months. When does it start? Um, well, the first preseason game is October 8th. Training is it camp mid-September is training, stamps? Yeah. training camp so starts? Okay. Six weeks or so away. All right. Well... Um, I suppose if you have an idea for an episode after we get through all these, we'd love a tweet at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same on Instagram. Let us know. Just say hello. We might say hi back if Mitch is running the social media. I will say hi back. Mitch will say hi back. <laughs> I probably wouldn't, but social media manager Mitch. <laughs> mogul. Oh my god. Mogul. Making the world a better place. That's right. Okay. <laughs> we thank you guys for tuning in. See you next week. Go Suns.